Hi, I'm Brian Giuliano, part of the Global Fixed Income Team here at Brandywine Global. And hi, I'm Anajit Serene, Portfolio Manager here uh, on the Fixed Income Team. And today we're going to spend a few minutes talking about some of the interesting things we're seeing out of the Japanese economy. When you think about it, Japan has had to deal with almost three decades now of a debt deflationary downward spiral. They remain one of the most demographically challenged nations. Their population is actually in decline. So they face a number of significant structural headwinds. And those headwinds are likely to remain in place for the foreseeable future. But when you look at some of the underlying data over the past few years and over the past few quarters in particular, it's hard not to think that something is stirring in the local economy. Nominal GDP has expanded for 58 consecutive months. That's the second longest expansion in post-war history. Corporate profitability is at record highs. The labor market hasn't been this tight in over 40 years. And equities have, uh, are, are now sitting at multi-decade highs. So, energy, what is going on with Japan? Are, are they merely a, a byproduct of this global reflationary environment? Or is there something bigger happening here? So I think there are a couple of things happening in, in Japan. I think to your first uh, part of your question is, is Japan largely benefiting from this global monetary expansion? Uh, in part, they are. I mean, Japan is an important trading economy. They export quite a bit of goods t to the rest of the world. And to the extent that demand is uh, quite strong now at a global level, Japan is benefiting from this. But I think the bigger story in Japan uh, is what policy has been doing within uh, Japan itself. And this is really, you know, what Abenomics has been all about. There are the three arrows of Abenomics. There's monetary policy, fiscal policy, and structural reform. And while mo most, much of what's been done on Abenomics is on monetary policy, uh, they've made progress in all three fronts. And it's having an impact. Um, the statistics you cited are a direct consequence of those policies because we've had a whole, you know, uh, we've had a long stretch of time where those policies were not pursued and we had the downward decline that you noted earlier. Things clearly do look different today. And I think you do have to give credit to what Abe's been able to pursue uh, on policy since he's been in office. I'd say the second thing is, and, and I'd give some credit to Abe for this as well, is that there has also been some micro-reform uh, and in corporate Japan. Uh, corporate Japanese profitability historically has always been weaker than that uh, of uh, companies in other parts of the world, but something has shifted. Uh, there is a greater focus on return on equity, uh, and that's having repercussions for profit growth, and then therefore ultimately labor demand and investment spending. So let's talk a little bit more about policy and some of the things that the Bank of Japan is doing. Right? I mean, they, they've been really the poster child for creative and unorthodox monetary policy in, in, in modern history. And interestingly, at their last monetary policy committee meeting, they voted eight to one to continue with the, the current mix of policy. That one dissenter uh, actually wanted to have more accommodative monetary policy put into place incredibly, if you can believe it, with what they're doing. So with some of the, the economic data coming in a little bit more positive maybe than was expected, a labor market that's tight, uh, is the Bank of Japan falling behind the curve or are they doing what they should be doing? Well, look, it's early days yet to be able to answer that question decisively. I mean, their goal is to get inflation up to 2%, and at the moment it's nowhere near 2%. So on that basis, you could hardly accuse them of falling behind on running monetary policy appropriate for the economy. 
On the other hand, I think there is an open question as to whether they're going to ever be able to achieve that 2% inflation target and whether they should achieve that target. If inflation is sustainably above 1%, call it, in Japan, that would be a pretty significant development relative to the last uh, couple of decades. I think there is also a question, though, of how much more effective can monetary policy be in Japan? Have they not, at this point, in fact, exhausted um, what monetary policy can do for growth and, and inflation? Uh, they are running, as you noted, the most aggressive QE uh, policy that we've seen uh, from, from many of the major central banks. It has certainly succeeded in both weakening the Japanese yen and significantly reducing the term structure of interest rates. So if they've done, one could argue, what they can do. Uh, and from here, really, it's about the, the lagged impacts of that policy working its way through the economy, and probably ultimately, more importantly, is what um, the other aspects of Abe's arrows, if you will, on fiscal policy and structural policy, those need to pick up the baton to propel the economy stronger. So what they're talking about today or, you know, on, on opening up uh, immigration a little bit more and, and letting more foreigners into the country, that's important and that could boost growth long term. The fact that they cut corporate taxes a couple of years ago, uh, that's been also significant. So there's other things that they've been doing. Uh, so I would say in conclusion, I think the Bank of Japan is doing what they ought to be doing. Um, uh, I think our own view would be that that they're probably going to get to well, what they want to see, which is higher wage growth uh, and ultimately higher inflation, sooner than they might expect, and therefore they will alter course somewhat earlier than they're telegraphing today. But the key is you have to see it in the data, and that's still yet to come. So what does all this mean for the Japanese yen? Because you know, in one sense, it's, it's very undervalued. Economic activity is increasing. You talked about Abe's three arrows or seem to be working to, to varying degrees. Capital is flowing to the economy. And the BOJ, or I should say, but the BOJ, has their foot on the accelerator. So is this, is this yen bullish? Is this yen bearish? Where do we head from this level? Look, I think you're phrasing that uh, question exactly the way it should be framed. Uh, you're right. Valuation is very attractive for the Japanese yen. Uh, in real, broad, effective terms, in trade-weighted terms, the yen is about as weak as it's been in, you know, in about four decades. Uh, if you adjust for the differences in inflation between the U.S. and Japan, right, with Japan always running lower inflation rates, the yen today uh, hasn't been at these levels uh, since the mid-'80s. So the yen is certainly an undervalued currency. That's manifesting in the fact that its external balance is at um, elevated levels versus their own history a very strong trade and current account surplus. When does this actually translate into a stronger currency? Uh, I, think, I think that's right. I think it, it does come down to when does the Bank of Japan uh, alter course on its monetary policy path. And, and I think that's ultimately going to boil down to um, the wage story because a sustainable rise in inflation is about a sustainable rise in, uh, in wages. And while wages have improved in responding to the tighter labor market, they still haven't advanced to a level in which you can take comfort in a sustained rise in wages uh, and, and inflation. I do think overall, again, it's key that, that when thinking about currencies, valuation is not the sole driver of an investment decision because currencies, as we know, can over and undershoot. It's that catalyst, that macro catalyst, and that, as I mentioned, is the wage inflation story. Let's shift gears a little bit, talk about maybe the political environment in Japan. 
uh, elections a couple weeks ago, Abe, the LDP, cruised to victory. If Abe is still prime minister in November of 2019, which it's widely expected that he, that he should be, he will become the longest serving prime minister in Japan's history. At a time when populism is you know, rearing its head across the developed and even segments of the emerging world, does Japan deserve a stability premium from a political standpoint? Uh, I think it does. Um, I think the ability for an advanced economy today to have a government that is effective in governing, to actually pass laws and policies, is actually a big deal today, right? There are not many places in the world, it seems, that are able to govern effectively within the developed world. Uh, the U.S., as we know, there's all kinds of partisanship that uh, really constrains the ability of the government to pass laws. We've seen the struggles that, that the uh, political system in the U.K. Uh, is facing, and we've certainly seen many examples of this across the Eurozone uh, as well. So the fact that Prime Minister Abe continues to hold a sizable majority, is able to effectively pass legislation, uh, is an unequivocal positive for uh, the economy and therefore for asset pricing. And last question. So, so two bond guys here, and I'm about to ask you a question about Japanese equities, which are sitting at a multi-decade high. It looks like they've broken through 20-odd year resistance lines. Valuations are reasonably attractive. We talked about some of that economic data that's coming through a bit on the strong side. Are you a buyer of this market? <laughs> I am a buyer. Um, look, I think there's a couple of things that can be said about the equity story, right? When, when, are, when are equities in their sweet spot from a macro perspective, right? The sweet spot comes when you've got strong economic activity, uh, strong uh, profit growth and margin expansion, and, and uh, labor markets that are not yet tight enough uh, to significantly erode those margins. Uh, and lastly, monetary policy remains supportive. So you're, you have a rising profit share as a company, and you have very supportive policies underneath. That's where we are in Japan, right? So wages, while we expect them to increase over time, uh, are nowhere near levels uh, that would significantly impair uh, the profit story in Japan. And meanwhile, monetary and fiscal policy remain very supportive of economic and profit growth. I think that's a positive equity story. And, and frankly, when you look at the... Uh, the details of the equity market, the non-financial sector, is actually at record highs today. Um, while the overall equity market still hasn't eclipsed the highs of 1990, uh, the non-financial sector has. And one could argue that what's holding the financial sector back is just the interest rate policy of the Bank of Japan, right? The rates have been pinned at a certain level. The yield curve is not steep enough for those banks to be quite as profitable. But the point is that underneath, within the equity market, you are seeing lots of evidence that uh, this story is beginning to play out. And I would also note, uh, as others have, that Japan is also a leading uh, country when it comes to the development of robotics and artificial intelligence. Uh, and that's also a factor that's supporting the equity market beyond the macro policy story uh, alone. It sounds like there's a very positive story developing in Japan lately. That's good to hear. Well, everyone, thank you for listening, and please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions.